0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: When you need to know, need to know what's happening, it's, 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 it's time to get In the Huddle with Carl Dukes and Brian Baldigger. Welcome back into In the Huddle with Carl Dukes along with Brian Baldinger. Today, our man Jason Lock on four, taking a little reprieve. He'll be back on Tuesday as we look ahead to Sunday's matchups. And Baldy, it's getting interesting in the NFL, man. I mean, you start looking around and you're going, okay, we've got one undefeated team in the Eagles. We just talked about the London game with the Packers and Giants before we came on here where, you know, both teams have a winning record. I think there are some some surprising teams as well around the league. But I want to start with a situation where we all thought, oh, this is going to be perfect. Matt Ryan goes to the Colts. The Colts and Broncos play tonight, Thursday night football. And I thought this was a perfect fit. I was not a believer in Carson Wentz. He's having his issues with the commanders right now. Yeah. But what's going on with Matt Ryan and the Colts and what you see offensively as tonight they head to Denver to take on the Broncos?
2: Well, just to be blunt, Carl, uh, after watching that game against Tennessee last weekend, Tennessee took the Indianapolis Colt offense line behind the woodshed and whipped them. I mean, man-to-man, whether it was Tahir Tart, whether it was Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry, pick a guy, they whipped the guy in front of them. Like, all game long, I, you know, Jonathan Taylor had 20 runs, Carl, in a game. This is a run-first team, and that's how Frank Wright likes to build his team, run-first, and he obviously... Uh, Jonathan Taylor, we we recognize as a great talent. Fifteen of his 21, 50, 15 of his twenty runs, Carl, went for two yards or less. Mm. I mean, they got whipped up front. I think Matt Ryan is still actually when Matt Ryan gets time to set his feet, he still he still looks like that guy that you watched, you know, for fifteen years in in Atlanta. I'll be honest with you, Carl. Like he's he made a throw down the field uh, to the rookie uh, Pierce uh, late in the game. 44 yards, they got back in the game. They fall so far behind in some of these games, but it was ugly how bad they were up front. And that's, look, I'm the biggest Quentin Nelson fan there was, but he did not play well. And so I think that's where it starts, Carl. It starts up front with that group. And I don't know if Matt Pryor is the left tackle, and they got a guy, Will Freeze, playing right guard, a young kid, drafted last year. But they didn't play well as a group, um, and that's where it's got to start for
1: we invite you to follow us. Make sure you subscribe to In the Huddle. Get all the episodes. Brian Baldinger, Jason Lockon, 4, and myself, Carl Dukes, with you on Tuesdays and Thursdays as we get ready for the weekend. All right. No Taylor tonight, by the way. He's out. So now you're talking about who picks up the slack. What's that running game going to look like without Taylor, even though they didn't run it well last week?
2: Well, Nine-Nine Hines, you know, will start. He's, he'll be the go-to guy. And, you know, they've always – you know, Frank Reich, even. Going back to his days as the offense coordinator in Philadelphia, he loves to have a stable of backs. And so, you know, they'll have two or three guys up today to try and cobble it together. But uh, – and Hines is a really good receiver at the backfield. That's kind of what he's been for the most part is a change of pace back and a receiver. So, you know, they've got a – but it starts – regardless of, you know, who's carrying it tonight, they got to block better up front. And really, if you look at Denver side, I mean – Last weekend in Las Vegas, Josh Jacobs had a career day against the Broncos, and they came in. That's why these statistics that we all kind of study and read can be so misleading, Carl. They came with the second-best defense in the league last week, and Josh Jacobs had the best day he's ever had in the league. And, uh, you know, he had one of the longest runs he's ever had. And so, really, Denver's defense, uh, I'm sure they looked at what Tennessee did and said, let's do the same thing. Let's beat them up front and make Matt Ryan beat us, and we'll get to him. Baldy, what are you seeing with the
1: Broncos defense, or, or the offense, should I say, with Russell Wilson? You know, when that move was made and they traded for him, I was like, Broncos Super Bowl contenders. They've looked far from it. Now, I know it's early, but is this just a transition to Nathaniel Hackett's offense, what he's doing, what he's allowing Russ to do? What do you see?
2: Well, you know, he put together a great drive against San Francisco to win that game. I mean, he looked like Russell Wilson on that uh, in that on that drive. I mean, he was Houdini on a couple of things. He extended some plays. He found a Kendall Hinton on the left side. You know, seven seconds after he took the snap for 27 yards, big chunk. He looked like Russell, but he's not running a lot right now. I'm not saying that he can't run, but he's not he's not taking off and running with it a little a couple of times against Vegas uh, last week. Uh, I think he's he's trying to figure out his receivers and he's trying to figure out the red zone offense right now. I saw him at training camp, Carl twice up there. And at the end of each practice, he took the entire receiving core into the red zone. And all he did was run routes route after route after route. The tight ends seem to be invisible in the offense. Hmm. Um, he's always been able to find tight ends. Uh, I think he trusts. And I think he's got a go-to guy in Cortland Sutton. Up until last week, Jerry Judy was pretty invisible, but he had a pretty good game last week. Caught a big touchdown pass from him. They need Judy to be like a number one pick. And then, you know, losing Tim Patrick in preseason really hurt him. So they're trying to find a third guy. And so I think he's just trying to find guys that he can just get the ball out and get to right now. And I can't say enough, Javante Williams is one hell of a player. And to lose him on the first play of the third quarter last week, I mean, there's a big gap. Carl, there's a big gap between Javante and Melvin Gordon. Melvin doesn't want me to hear that. You know, you don't want to hear that from me, but there's a big gap there. and <laughs> Melvin Gordon, Michael Boone have to step up now, and we'll see if if they can replace what Javante gave them.
1: It's a great point, and I agree with you. That was a huge injury. It's just it, it dropped their run game and their run attack down just a notch. We'll see if those guys step up. I know you're calling Cleveland Chargers this weekend. I just saw Cleveland they came into atlanta they played well right up until the end i I thought there may have been some time management issues there with how the clock was handled but at the end of the day i've been impressed with jacoby Brissett. and you you look at what cleveland has done you know i I think i saw something yesterday where deshaun Watson is going to be allowed back in the facility here soon and i I don't know if he plays or not baldy i don't think they're they're counting on that but what i've seen from cleveland so far, I, I I like what I've seen. And they've been in almost every game, obviously, and they just lost by three points last week to the Falcons.
2: Well, you're right about Jacoby. There's no no doubt. Because I I honestly, when they when they signed, they signed Jacoby the day after they gave Deshaun Watson the contract. I mean he was brought in to be the backup quarterback. Yeah. And in my mind, that's what Jacoby is. Like he's a reliable backup quarterback. That's where he was in every step of the way. He's been forced to start. Andrew Locke, retirement. I mean, he's been forced to start in different places. But I always thought he was just a backup, but he's proved me wrong. He's played very well. He's he, David Njoku has come alive as a tight end with Jacoby Brissett. He's never been that kind of receiving threat since so he's been in the league, although we recognize he had that kind of talent. He's getting the ball to his wideouts. Um, he's played well. They ran the ball well last week, which surprised me last week, Carl. And I know Miles Garrett and you know Clowney didn't play and whatnot, but – You know, Atlanta ran the ball down their throats, you know, and it was with Caleb Huntley, you know, it was with uh, Tyler Algier. Like, it was with young guys. And they ran the ball, and they outran the Cleveland Browns. And the Atlanta Falcons defensive front beat up that Cleveland Brown offensive line. I got as much respect for Joel Petonio and Will Teller and the whole group, but they physically whipped them at times in that game. And that was impressive to me from Atlanta's standpoint, but I'm sure the Chargers are looking at all that. And I guess, you know, they, last year those two teams played, it was a 44-41 shootout. Baker Mayfield was a quarterback for Cleveland. It was an unbelievable game. And the guy that really caught my attention for the Chargers last week, because they lost Rashawn Slater the week before. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know you know this, Carl, but the way that you know that you have a great offensive lineman is if you go through an entire game, you never hear his name. That's right. That was Rashawn Slater. Every right. game, you never heard Rashawn Slater's name because there was no need to call out. He was just doing his job, never got a penalty, never got beat. You know, um, he, he was just that good. But this Jamari Salyer, I'm sure you you, you remember. Georgia. You from Georgia. Yeah. He, he stepped in. Six-round pick. Now, Carl, he stepped in. I tell you, he didn't have a bad snap. No, he didn't have a penalty. He played very, very well. Now, he's got to go up against Miles Garrett this week. It'll be a huge test. I'm sure they'll have a game plan for it because we know Miles will, you know, hopefully he's going to be healthy after that nasty car accident. And I think he's going to play, but I was really impressed with Jamar. And he, he really gave him a lift. I, I thought they ran the ball pretty well. Eckler had a couple good touchdown runs and, and it, it really gave Justin Herbert a chance to go find some receivers in that game.
1: You know what, Baldy? And it's interesting you bring this up because what George has done over the last few years especially up front with the O-line and Sam Pittman now at Arkansas recruited a lot of these guys. Yeah. And Jamari is a guy that, you know, coming out of high school, he was like I just want to get my mom a house. All right? That's that was his thing. So, he's going to be able to do that. But yeah. I I agree with you that these guys are able to step in and they are NFL ready, right? Even late round picks, these guys are stepping in and they're NFL ready.
2: Well, I think you know, it it goes to you know. Obviously, the talent level at Georgia is second to none. Uh, the coach is is very very smart. Um, uh, not no pun intended, right there. But uh, you know, uh, but but I, I will just imagine that if you're Jamari and you're going up against Trayvon Walker in practice every day, exactly that it, it's like an NFL training camp most days. And so iron sharpens iron, all that stuff. Like I imagine that's what practices must be like when Jermaine Johnson is there. He's going up against these guys. And I'm sure that in the trenches, they're getting really good quality work week in, week out, plus playing in the SEC against the talent you're playing in. I mean, it's it's not even a farm system for the NFL. It is the NFL. You know, it's the 33rd team of the NFL is the SEC. So I think a lot of these kids, I don't know how many got drafted, uh, Carl, I think 15 or 16 kids. It was a yeah, record. But they're all playing right? and they're all performing.
1: It's a great point. It's in the huddle, guys. Carl Dukes, along with Brian Baldinger, Jason Lock on four as well. We do it Tuesdays, Thursdays. Subscribe, get us every week. Get the latest on the NFL, the inside stories. We're going to bring it all to you. All right. You talked about the Falcons. What about the Bucs? Because the Falcons go to the Buccaneers this Sunday. Both teams two and two. Baldy, the Bucks don't look quite right. Jason and I were talking about this on Tuesday, and we were saying, I don't know what it is, all right? But it just doesn't quite look right. And and I don't want to put all of this on the Tom Brady circumstances. The rumors are out there this week, you know, Giselle and they're going through it and all this stuff. Okay, personal,
2: fine. What about on the field and what's not clicking and what's not working? Well, let's just take an air, Let's take the Tampa Bay defense. I mean, they were lights out good against Green Bay the week before. Um, outside of the first two drives, they just completely shut the Packer offense down. But what surprised me last week was the Bucks come in, with the number one ranked defense in all of football, and Kansas City put up 41. Mm. And Isaiah Pacheco, you know, Clyde Edwards, Pacheco. they knew I mean, <laughs> like, I, I love Isaiah Pacheco, but look, I mean, Kansas City is not supposed to be able to run the ball down with Vita Vea in there and Devin White and all the guys were up the middle, and they ran right out. So, like you, I, I agree that. That, one, that kind of shocked me how Kansas City, they had no answer for Travis Kelsey at all. Right. And you would think Todd Bowles and scheming and all the different chess pieces he has that they'd have a better solution for Travis Kelsey. That kind of like, you know, that's not Tom Brady. That's not, okay, where are the receivers, all that stuff. Because the week before, there's no Mike Evans. There's, you know, they're, they're throwing to Cole Beasley on the first play of the game. Yeah, and they he's retired the stop On Wednesday, <laughs> and they're throwing to him the first play of the game. So – you know, Mike Evans comes back last week and a couple touchdowns, he looked like Mike Evans. But defensively, you're right. I, there's something, they don't look like a dominant team by any stretch. I feel like everybody can give them a game right now. Um, you know, obviously, they've had all these young guys playing on the offensive line, you know, second-year center and rookie uh, left, left guard. They had a kid um, that was Brandon Walton that was playing left tackle, started his first game against the Packers ever. So they had a lot of youth in there. Um, and I don't know that they have a second running back to Leonard Fournette right now. You know, Rashad White's there. He's a rookie. You know, he just looks like a guy. I haven't seen anything special about him. Uh, but I don't know that Leonard Fournette can just carry the load, you know, all by himself right now. And They were kind of asking him to do that. So there's a lot of questions to be had. But I tell you, the the, the Falcons, they're doing it the right way, Carl. Like they, 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 I think they may, I think they started this thing a year too late. Um, I thought they could have probably said, Okay, goodbye to Matt Ryan a year earlier and kind yes. of begun this process of building. Um, but you know, Drake and Kyle and the offense line looked stable for the first time since the Super Bowl run. Uh but the, the talent on defense, Ebak KT and Graham and like all those guys show up, all the guys in the secondary. I mean, they play the game the right way now, Carl. Like I don't know if they're going to beat, you know, Tampa or stay in the game against Tampa, but I feel like watching them play against Cleveland last week and the week before that they're turning the corner on how to build this thing. And I think they're doing it the right way.
1: Yeah. And and Baldy, you know, Dean Pease. I mean, you know, his history. He's the defensive coordinator here. Yep. He came in in his first year and he was like, we got to stop this crap. And it was sort of what he was saying was the mindset, right. Of, Oh, we're in a bad situation. We're going to lose. Last week, they get a, a, a pick to end the game. Yep. You know, you go back, years past, that. that's a completion, and all of a sudden, you lose the game. And his whole thing was, we got to get out of this mindset, and then we're going to go after people. And you know that's always been his philosophy. Yep. And I think guys are buying in, to your point. And, and I'll say this um, about this old line. It's a young O-line, but they drafted Lindstrom, right? They drafted Caleb McGarry. Um, Obviously, Jake Matthews and his lineage with his father and his family. They finally, though, have some pieces that they can truly trust. And I think, I said this last week, or or Tuesday, should I say to Jason, they're the most surprising team to me in the NFL. A lot of people thought this
2: team would be 0-4. Well, people thought that there was just a severe shortage of talent. Yes. But they they misjudged what these young guys look like. And the part that Dean pees to me, I I know the scheme and the blitzing and all that, that's always been the DNA of Dean. But, Carl, I'm telling you, I must have looked at 50 Falcon games where guys in the secondary were doing this. Like, Uh, I thought you had. No, I thought you had. And they broke down time after time. It used to drive me – in fact, I've had private conversations with the owner about what's going on. And it was shocking, the lack of communication on the back end of their defense. Because if you break down on the back end of any defense, not just the Falcons, but if you miss tackles or break below assignments on the back end, it's six points in this league. And so that happened weekly. And for the first time in a long time now, Carl, I can say that I don't see that happening. And that's, that's a credit to what they're, what's going on in the meetings, on the field, and guys are paying attention.
1: That's why nobody does it better. Brian Baldinger, Baldy's breakdowns, I love them. You know that. We're going to do this every Tuesday and Thursday, guys. All right, what does Sean McVay do? Coming off the loss, Cowboys coming into L.A. It's rare you see the Rams have two back-to-back bad games, right? And – Speaking of running the ball, I just thought in the second half of that game with the 49ers last week, they just – you know, Kyle Shanahan came out and was like, this is what we're going to do. They couldn't stop it. And then the Rams couldn't move the ball. Cowboys come in with Cooper Rush this weekend. Here we go again. I don't know when Dak's coming back, but the Cowboys are staying relevant even with the backup in there. Can Cooper Rush go to L.A. and win again this weekend? He can
2: because there isn't a better defense in the NFL than the 49ers. They're the best. They, they play coordinated they play fast they physically beat you up they're eight deep on the defensive line uh, Ofanga is an absolute star um you know Freddie Warner is the quarterback of that defense and so the Rams they couldn't they couldn't find the end zone once. The thing about the Cowboys Carl is they're not as good as, as the 49ers but they're as fast as the 49ers. the Cowboys fly. They have speed and they have freak athletes, and it's not just Micah. It's it's Donovan Wilson. It's late Van der Esch, healthy. Like they Tank Lawrence is is back to being Tank Lawrence. Like they fly to the football, and they got playmakers everywhere. They can give they can give the Rams a lot of problems because of their speed. Um, so that's that. The thing about Cooper Rush, and I, I've been saying this now for three weeks, but they should take a page out of what they're doing with Cooper when Dak comes back. Because what they do with Cooper, Carl, is it's all about protection first. We're gonna protect Cooper Rush. We'll give them half-field reads. Not that he can't read the whole field, but we're gonna make sure that he's not getting hit. We're gonna make sure that he's not not under duress, forcing throws. And so they have six-man, seven-man protection, backs chipping, tight ends This Jake Ferguson, the rookie out of Texas A&M, can really block. Let's keep our tight ends in. Let's block them. Let's leak them out late. Let's protect the quarterback. And I feel like that's what they should do with that. Like, protect him. And mm. let him he'll, – he'll make the throws to CD and, you know, to, to, to his fleet of receivers, Noah Brown, whoever it is. He'll make the throws. But don't put them all out there with Tyler Smith over there and maybe Jason Peters at left guard. Like, just let's let's limit how many options we have. Let's just protect first. And I think that goes a long ways in this whole league. And I think it will benefit Dallas long-term if they play like that. But Cooper Rush has benefited from it. The, they run the ball well enough, not like they probably want to, but well enough because Tyler Smith is a good run blocker. Like, he's he's got skills. Um, and Jason Peters can still give you a little bit. Um, he'll switch with Farniak at left guard. But that's kind of how I see it. But – the Dallas can go in there to Los Angeles. They, they, they're they capable of winning this game.
1: What, what do you think about Zeke? You know, going into the season, I heard Jerry Jones, typical Jerry, say, you know, we got to run the football. And, you know, talking about Zeke being the focal point. And I'm like, wait a minute. And I'm watching them, and it hasn't necessarily translated. Like, is it Zeke? Is, is, is he lost a little bit? Or is it just what you're seeing up front, Baldy, why they are not running though, you said they're running it well enough. They're not running it like, whoa, Cowboys are, you know, they, they got you got to do something special to stop the run against the Cowboys.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, Tony Pollard is, is to me is their best back. I agree. Most so, explosive, right? Yeah, I mean, he's 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 just more explosive, bigger 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 plays. Um, zeke is is still as good a pass protector at running back as there is in the league. You're not going to pay a guy elite money to be a pass protector, but that's kind of one of his big roles is one of the reasons why he's in there. Is he's excellent in blitz pickup. And there's really not, there's there's guys that can do it as good. Nobody can do it better. So that's a big part of why he's in there. But, you know, at the end of the day, almost every single run, no matter how it's designed ends up running behind Zach Martin. Like it's unbelievable. It still <laughs> cuts back or goes behind their best, play- their best offensive player, and has been for a decade, is Zach Martin. So he's still there, and as long as he's there, they're still going to gain some yards.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: Brian Baldinger, um, I want to ask you about your opinions on Baker Mayfield. Carolina's struggling. They get the 49ers. We just talked a little bit about what's going on with them. 49ers go to Carolina on Sunday. It's in the huddle, guys. Here and again, subscribe, get all the episodes. Tuesday, Thursdays, we put new episodes out. What's going on with Baker? Are you a believer? I have not been, okay? I think Baker, and this is this is where I've been with Baker Mayfield, and I'm not going to solely put it on him because I know mm-hmm. Coach, you know, Matt Rule talked about guys getting open and all that this week. But I've always felt like Baker can't just let the outside noise be that, and he allows it to get into his play in many cases so for example last week more the wide receiver was talking about you know hey i'm open i'm a half a step open and then you see baker hearing that at that noise as you know hey coaches talked about guys needing to be open here's his wide receiver saying i'm a half a step open sometimes you just got to throw the ball and then baker throws it in the traffic and there's an interception because he's forcing it he's trying to make these plays when sometimes they're not there i don't know what what do you think about what's going on with
2: Carolina? well Personally, I'm a big fan of Baker, but I'm I, I'm a little jaded. I mean, I I've, I've been around him since his walk-on days at Texas Tech. Did some Oklahoma games when I was doing Big Twelve games, so I've been around him. I always thought he was a good deep ball thrower. This is this is what the NFL is, Carl. You can't just. It's not. We kind of think sometimes that it's it's like the designated hitter in baseball. You could just drop Aaron Judge into any lineup, and it's just going it to runs, right? Like when you take. Baker signed in early July. He had no offseason, no training camp, um, no familiarity with the team whatsoever until he got to training camp. He threw the ball 12 times in preseason games, was anointed the starter. It's a brand-new offense for everybody. Um, So Baker's trying to do this thing on the fly. And what's missing is any timing whatsoever. When he was good in Cleveland, the throws that he was making to juice – and to his receivers were on time and that's because the offseason training camp with hard knocks like it was repetition and it was double moves to juice 18 yard comebacks balls there on a tee it was tee ball he was that good he doesn't have any of that and i just think i'm not i'm not making him the scapegoat because you have to figure out a way but right now the timing with dj with robbie with the way the offense has to be precise, it isn't there. And I don't know when it's going to get there, if it is. Like, this is a bad week to think it's going to show up against this defense because they take no prisoners in San Francisco. Now (laughs) I don't think they're going to play Pinochle for six hours to Charlotte this weekend and just kind of show up. I mean, I think they're going to come there prepared. Um, They're on a mission, that defense. And so I don't think they're going to let them breathe. But that's what's missing in Carolina. is, And it started, I saw it in training camp. There was no time, even on RPOs, you'd say, like, okay, fake here to, to McCaffrey, and let's get the ball out to Shy Smith, and Shy Smith is blocking and he ain't looking for the ball. Like, there's just bad communication, and it shows up in these games.
1: Is that play calling? How, how do you fix that, Baldy, or can you fix that in season? Because I agree with you. I've seen some of those plays you're talking about, and I'm going – did he not know the route, or did he throw the ball in the wrong place? So you kind of wonder what's working there. If that is, in fact, play calling, then what's Matt Rule supposed to do?
2: Well, I mean, I don't know. Here, here's what I here's what I think you should do is I think you should scale it down. All right, have a lot of different formations, maybe the same plays. So you're running the same plays out of different formations to give the defense some window dressing, so they're not just predicting what you're going to do, and then just Basic plays, like, okay, this is our third down offense. This is what we're going to. All right, whether it's flank or drive, shallow cross, like whatever the combination is, this is what we're going to do to a uh, clear out, you know, like for Steph Curry to Christian McCaffrey. Right. Let's get these plays down and let's let's figure out if in these situations San Francisco's in zone, which they are a large part of the time, what's our zone beater? Like let's let's narrow this thing down and let's really pound and rep these plays all week long.
1: Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes in the huddle. Jason Lock on four as well. We do this every Tuesday and Thursday, guys. Again, subscribe. Get all the great info. We go around the NFL. All right, let's talk about Ravens-Bengals. I can't wait for this game. Sunday night football. I know everybody's giving Harbaugh crap for the call at the goal line. I get it. But I'm looking at the Bengals, and I'm wondering from your perspective, is, in fact, this offensive line better or worse? Because I've seen them give up the same problems or the same issues they were giving up last year where Burrow's running for his life. The most sacked quarterback takes it to the Super Bowl, so it didn't matter, right, last year. It didn't play as big of a role, but he's still getting beat up. What's going on with the Bengals online? line?
2: It's still a problem. I mean, Lyle Collins is not a – I mean, he's just – he's not an elite player. He's a tough guy. He's a big body. He's not a great player. So, you know, they started off playing Pittsburgh, and they just whipped him. And TJ was out there, and it was just Sac City. And then they played Dallas, and they ran into Dallas Speed and, and Micah and all the stuff they did. And then they just said, okay, we, we have to change our approach. What, what Joe Burrow did, Carl, when he won the championship at LSU was, and then when he had success last year was, they would get five guys out, like almost every route, and let Joe just – like because he's so good at just reading defenses and just getting from one read to the next. Let's let him go figure out the best matchup and get the ball to him. And they were really great at it with the receivers they had. Um, but along the way, he took a lot of hits. And so it wasn't all just the offense line. It was some of it was the, the offense itself. What I saw the last couple of weeks was, you, you saw the back and the tight end on either side of him in the backfield. Let's, let's protect first. Let's get out late. And then... You know, even uh, even with you know their their win against the Jets and, and what they did last week was let's get Jamar away from everybody one on one and let's let him go to work and let's get the ball to Jamar. He leads the team in receptions with 25 right now. He's he's on pace for 100 catches. Might not be kind of like what we saw last year, but um, that's kind of th- th- they've kind of fixed the protection issues to help. Where it needs help, they got a rookie left guard, so they're kind of helping out a little bit more than they have in the past. The problem, really, for the Ravens is, you know, they went and signed JPP for a reason. Like yeah. they can't rush oh, pass. the passer, Carl. Yeah. Like they're taking a flyer. Like, do they need another old guy? Like, I'm not saying JPP can't still do it, but there's Calais and there's Justin Houston. Like, sometimes you you keep investing in these older veteran players, and maybe they got a little juice left but do they have it every week? And so that's kind of like – and so then you can't say Mike McDonald will fix it with your blitzes because they've broken down in the back end of these defenses too. They did last week against Buffalo. So they have some issues. But, you know, the last time Cincinnati went there, Jamar Chase went crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, he had 200 yards receiving. He had eight catches. They had no answer for him. So I'm kind of anxious to see, like, how that plays out. The fourth and two play last week. What would you think? I just don't like, I don't you, like the kicker, you know, you know, your kicker's automatic. You're up 23, 20. I know you fear Josh Allen and you're like, we can't, but like, what's that saying to your defense? Like we can't stop Josh Allen. Like you basically, you you've you made him fumble, you intercepted him. You've done things to stop him to get yourself 20 points. Like have a little faith in your group to go out there and, and put a stop, at least hold to a field goal. I, I don't know. I, You can't come away with no points. I understand if you don't make it, Carl, you trap Buffalo down the two yard line. Right. But then, you know, you end up throwing the interception. Jordan Poyer, um, it all backfired, obviously, but it's kind of hard for me not to just put Justin Tucker out there and go up 23, 20 and just, uh, you know, play defense. Yeah. I thought
1: John, you know, John didn't trust his defense last week. You're right. I mean, that, that was blatantly obvious and, it's easy to defend what he said because if you missed it, John Harbaugh said, if we don't score a touch or if we score a touchdown there and they get the ball back and go down and score a touchdown, we're going to overtime. He was okay with that. But he thought if I kick the field goal and they get it back and go down and score a touchdown because, again, they got it back in four minutes to play, yeah. we still lose the game. And that right. was his mindset. So, But I'll say this. I didn't like the play call, Baldy. I'm just sitting there thinking, two-yard line, you've got the most dynamic quarterback in the league in Lamar. Run an option. Give me something on the outside. Get him out of the pocket and give him some options. And I just thought the play call was bad. But nevertheless, Ravens, Bengals, uh, that's the Sunday night game. It's going to be a, a, an interesting yep. contest. I, I want to ask you about which uh, what's going on with the Patriots as well. Lions at Patriots. And let me say this about the Lions. Watched them on Hard Knocks. I know you did. Dan Campbell. Emotional mess. I love him. He, but the players love Dan Campbell, right? I mean, I think they really dig Campbell. Um, and, and I'm watching the lines. They're one in three. I thought he blew the game at Minnesota, you know. Uh, yeah. so maybe they should be, you know, they should have maybe another win. But both teams one and three going into this game at New England, and New England is still without Mac Jones. I've had issues all offseason, Baldy, with the idea that Matt Patricia and Joe Judge were going to be calling plays. I just didn't buy into that. What are you seeing with new England and why did they have a shot against green Bay with Bailey Zappi in the backfield? And what what are you thinking about this weekend against the lions?
2: Well, the lions they've got an offensive coordinator there in Ben Johnson. Like this guy looks like the next Sean McVay, like this guy, like they, they hit him on purpose hard knocks so people wouldn't understand what it, they, they put up 45 in seattle they're putting up points every week every week every week and so the offensive line i mean you know they they've got some you know Penay sewell is just like there's not many people walking a planet that could do what Penay sewell does uh they're, they're pretty they're they're pretty dynamic offensively defensively they're a mess just just a mess um everywhere like, they, they break down over and over and over again. But do you like the Hutchinson kid? I like Aiden, you know, but he's – he plays he plays the game hard. He plays it the right way. I don't know that he's going to be a dominant player in this league. I think he's just going to be a really hardworking guy. Okay. And, you know, because you play hard and you show up and you prepare, like, you're going to make some plays. But he doesn't look like – he's going to be a, a guy that you have to go game plan for. Now it's, it's very early. It takes these guys years to figure it out. Malcolm Rodriguez, like that guy's the real deal. Like he's- Is, he's is that an incredible story? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. He, it's unbelievable, Carl. Like he is so fun to watch because he literally hits everything that moves. <laughs> like everything that moves, he just blows it up. Like he is really fun to watch. Uh, he might be their best defensive player already. Um so he, he's he been a great find, Oklahoma State, six-round pick, all that stuff. Um, New England, honestly, Carl, when I watch him play, it just puts me to sleep. Like, it's just <laughs> – like, I mean, this is the NFL. Like, you can't just take the air out of the ball and just play that. I, I just think it's just too hard. Yeah. Like, there's no chunk. There's no – the ball doesn't go down the field. There's no explosiveness to the – like, every once in a while, they'll take a shot, but it just puts you to sleep. Um, I don't know that you can – if you have the 49ers defense, maybe you can afford to play that style. Maybe. I just don't think – You think Belichick's being conservative purposely? I I don't know. Maybe he just feels like that's the best way to win. Okay. and, And to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field, whatever it might be. Like, it's just – but it really is. Like, it is – and I'm not going to say it's that predictable, but it's – you can only line up in I formation, only run so many, you know, power leads. Like, they're not that great up front on the offensive line. They're okay. They're not great. To play Play that style of football is just hard in this league right now. Um, I'm not saying, like, with Bailey Zappi, that like there's any other way to do it. Or maybe with Mac Jones, there's any other way to do it. But it is sure hard. It's sure hard to watch it. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, too, you look at how their drafts have gone. uh, And I'm talking about specifically since Brady's left. Right. And and what they've done, it's not really impressive. No, it's just, you know, and, and you start now looking at personnel. Baldy, you know, a great quarterback covers up those warts. Right. I mean, you can do certain things that you just can't do anymore because you don't have that
2: blanket. Well, the one thing they were always able to do, Carl, was they could always find free agent corners that could play great press man coverage. J.C. Jackson, Malcolm Butler. Like, these guys came out of left field and became, you know, Pro Bowl players and got huge second contracts. Um, I don't, like, I don't know if the well's dried up, but I don't see Jonathan Jones, you know, I think he was an Auburn kid. But, like, I... like. I don't see those guys. I'm, I'm seeing them having to go to find Matt Judon, and, you know, and find Adrian Phillips and go to free agency and find, you know, their, 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 their star defensive players right now. I don't see them developing those guys and that's the draft. And that's what you got to do in the draft. If you miss in the draft, then you got to go overpay for free agents. Yeah. Jalen Mills is a good player. He's not an elite player. He's not a press man corner. He's his own corner. Um, you want him on your team. He's, he's a tough kid. He's a competitive guy. He's a good tackler, but he's not a press man cover corner that, you know, the way that we saw Stefan Gilmore and some of these other guys play that position for him.
1: Last thing before we finish up, in the huddle, Carl Dukes, Brian Baldinger, Jason LaConforo. We'll do it again Tuesday, recapping all the games and talking about what happens this weekend. I want to get your opinions. You've been around the league your entire life on this concussion protocol uh, protocols, and more importantly, the league and the players association coming together and saying, Hey, we need to do more. And is it that they need to do more or do they just need to follow what the rules are with the current protocols in place? Of course, we're talking about the re- reaction to what yeah. happened with
2: So I am honestly, Carl, I, you know, I have, I've been in this thing for 42 years now, but I'm for every single rule change that has taken place. I tell people, if you think that we're just putting skirts on these players and it's not Football anymore. I tell them, just spend a Sunday afternoon on the field and close your eyes and just hear the game. Mm. Just hear the violence of these hits. Go go listen to what it feels like when Micah Parsons hits you at full speed. Like, stop it. Like this is a full-speed contact collision sport. I'm for every single rule change that has been put in place, including all of the uh places, all the things that are in place, the protocols. For the concussion protocol, give me an independent doctor, you know, to get these players out of harm's way because we have to be taken out of the equation. So to your point, Carl, you have put these things in place for a reason. So follow, like let's let's adhere to it. Like let's not put these guys back on the field. Like I, you could tell me that Tua had a back injury against Buffalo. He looked like. What he looked like the victim of a Mike Tyson punch, right? You know, in the ring, like it looked like a standing eight count, like just end it and just end the end the end the match. Like you don't, the eye test tells you he's not in good shape. You know, he needs help up and off the field. If that's a back injury, okay, but he just can't come back on the field. So let's let's follow the protocols, and let's just they're there for a reason, and let's let's protect these players. Once and for all. And so, figure out a way to get to the next man, Teddy Bridgewater, whoever's up next, get to the next guy. But get these guys out of harm's way, Carl.
1: Yeah, and Baldy, I'll say this as we finish up. Last week, I got a lot of folks hitting me up saying this is this was on Tua. And, and I, I said this on my radio show and my national show, and I'll say it on this podcast. Players always want to play. Always. There's not a player who doesn't feel like, First, got to get back on the, out on the field. Secondly, I'm letting my teammates down. Thirdly, you know what? I'm okay. Even when they're not. And the idea that some people would think, well, he knew that he wanted to go back into the game. Players always want to play. It's yes. Teams and coaches have to protect themselves yes. or the players from themselves. This is where the guys go, hey, if you're my son, Baldy, I can't let you go back in
2: there. 100%, Carl. 100%. 100%. I'm with you all the way. It's not on Tua. It's on the protocols that are in place to make sure Tua doesn't go back on the field. And I think Mike McDaniel has to, like, take some, some ownership in this thing. He saw Tua get up off the field in Buffalo. I mean, he has to step up, too. I mean, he's, he's defended everything. And, like, he's got to take some ownership in this thing, too. I mean, he's a first-year head coach. Like, this is partly on him. But this, this can't happen. It can't happen ever again. Like, it's 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 not right. has uh, got uh, two is a, a, a tremendous, tremendous person. But there's tremendous people everywhere in this business. We have to protect these guys for 30, 40, 50 years down the road, Carl.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and the good news is it's brought a spotlight to something that, again, we just kind of thought was a no-brainer. I don't think you're going to see this happen again anytime soon, and everybody now is watching to make sure they're taking care of these guys. Baldy, I can't wait till next week, man. Have a great call. Cleveland Chargers game. Enjoy that, my friend, and we're going to talk on Tuesday, guys. In the huddle, subscribe. Follow us on social media. We're doing this every week, bringing you all the latest around the NFL. Brian Baldinger, Carl Dukes, have a great day.